Hello and welcome to Lulu Lulu Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely. And the world came back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, and we have. You're living dangerously. Living dangerously. For the first time since the pandemic, which is is or isn't over. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But for the first time since COVID struck, we have a full podcast studio. We have five five mics going. Five mics. Have we ever gotten a six? Maybe we've gotten a six mic. Well, maybe, I mean, depending on how you're counting your mics, you might add a six mic. Uh, That's true. Yeah. I see what you did there. See what I did there? Um, But, uh, yeah, we would have had six back when we had, who were those guys that used to come on? Was it Peter? Peter. And Ben? Yeah. I think that was their names. Good guys. Um, But we have a full podcast studio, and we are going to be talking. We are going to be continuing on with... A little Bonhoeffer. Um, Jason and I last time talked about the first chapter of Bonhoeffer, which is a long, the, the title is a long one. Um, <laughs> Christ, reality, and good. Christ, church, and world. And we're going to get to uh, today, Ethics as Formation, chapter two. And I'm going to try to convince people that we should also do the next one eventually, History Indicate, which this one's right up your alley. I had marked a lot of stuff that I'm like, Michael would like that. Um, we have then two new guests in the studio. One who has to leave early, which we understand because he is here on business. And one who's here now as a regular colleague uh, in campus ministry. So why don't we go, my dear friend and, and colleague Jason, I'll let you pick counterclockwise or clockwise. Let's go clockwise. Clockwise. And so am I on the 12? Sure. We will let our first guest introduce himself. Hey, it's good to be here. My name is Dan Lindner, and I serve as our Wells Campus Ministry Mission Counselor. And just stopped by to see if these guys were around, wanted to say hi, and they invited me to come and sit in with them for a little while. We're very happy to have Dan here with us. I'm guessing you're meeting with the good friend and colleague of our next guest, or both of them, while you're here, or you're just at WLC for... Meeting with Professor Faust. Ah, okay. Um, And a couple pastors. Okay, well, good. And then we will go clockwise more and get our, our second guest. I'm Nate Wardell. I am now a campus ministry pastor here at Wisconsin Lutheran College, so I'm not in the classroom doing any work that way, but I get to help out with all the outside the classroom stuff, chapel, Bible studies. Um, excited to be here with you guys, too. Really wanted to impress the listeners. So I, I think you're do a great job. I, I put on my best suit. Well, I was going to comment that we have, like... Um, a representation of almost like a generational thing. I think um, Jason is kind of boomerish. Kind of, yeah. Like he, well. mid-level salesman at a pretty <laughs> decently important company. Um, would you say, Mike, is that fair? Yeah, he's, he's up from the classic uh, Lutheran pastor, which is semi-successful um, used car salesman. Yeah, So and then I'm going to say I'm looking... Gen X, is that fair to say? Sure. Kind of 90s. I got my flannel and my Karl Marx shirt because I'm teaching today's history day. So I'm Industrial Revolution, Karl Marx today. Gen X and (coughs) full-on humanities guy. Yeah. And uh, and then I I would say Nate is looking fantastically whatever the young thing would have been. What's next? (laughs) Millennial? Millennial? Would that be the – or Gen Z? I am technically a millennial. Okay. But I married a Gen Z. Mike looks very ministerial. Yeah. Transcending all of you. Yeah, and I think I you're was. safe, Dan. I think your your outfit breaks down barriers. Um, the uh, but we are going to be discussing then uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer ethics as formation, and we're going to be fair um, to Pastor Lindner. He just was able to join us today. His scheduling worked out, um, so this just happened. So he, it's not that he didn't read because he's lazy. We didn't send him anything to read because <laughs> we did not know he would be here. Anyone else who sounds like they don't know what they're talking about. Was lazy um, because I did share this quite a while ago. Um, I don't think we have a free for all planned, but um, maybe uh, I got an idea what we can do for a quick free for all. If that no, sounds okay, know who would win with the animal battles? Michael doesn't like those. So we... <laughs> oh, that's what I listen for every week. Yeah, yeah. I had. Um, I am currently holding a call, and um, I got the best email I've ever gotten while holding the call. Um, and it turns out someone there is a listener, and it referenced. The animal fights, um, and the person said, "I don't normally know people in synod, but um, but right when I heard your name, I knew gorilla versus grizzly, which was a big discussion, huh? and uh, and then also um, I had a picture of burning the ballots after the the vote, 
and um, said, I know you used to be Catholic, so maybe you know if the smoke means anything. And had the, <laughs> the smoke coming off. So I, I thought that was, that was good. But, um, but I do have a free-for-all idea. So why don't we, Jason, if you don't mind, yes. would you give us the disclaimer and we'll make our way to the free-for-all. Yes, I will. <clears throat> uh, this show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers, but maybe now for Wells Campus Ministry. But We'll that, find out. We'll find out, yeah. Uh, to be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you're just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that brings us back to our free-for-all where we talk about the pressing issues of the day. As, uh, as Peter as Peter used to say, we dedicated our last episode to Peter, and I've not heard from him, which yep. I really don't think he listens even. Yeah, that's, that's sad. Anymore. Yeah. Um, would you like to dedicate this episode to anyone? Hmm. I don't know. It's hard. I, I, I hadn't thought about it at this point. but oh. I was going to be nice and say, like, you recently departed. Oh, that uh, my my grandma just recently joined the ranks of heaven. So uh, that was early Monday morning. So uh-huh. I have a funeral coming up this week. And, but uh, that was a blessing. She's a now blessing. letting the bird fly. She is now letting the bird fly. Yes, heaven. exactly. So, so we, uh, we'll dedicate this nicely, yeah. less sarcastically than we did with Peter. <laughs> sure. Uh, to your grandma, whose name was? Kathy Lindstrand. Kathy Lindstrand. Yeah. So... Um, but for our free-for-all, maybe a little bit different than normal, my thought for what we could do today, uh, we have Pastor Linder here, and he served, oh, it was a while in Minneapolis. How many years were you in Minneapolis? Fourteen and a half years at St. John's Lutheran Church in Minneapolis, and did campus ministry uh, there for several colleges, and I had the privilege to come out a couple times um, and present, had a very good group of students, and now is with the Synod, as Jason referenced, with campus ministry. Um, and then we have a campus minister here at Wisconsin Lutheran College. Um, but maybe if we just throw it out a little bit, um, and I'll let people chime in as they want, but especially Dan, if you want to maybe use this as an opportunity. Um, we have listeners from different church bodies, different synods, but a number of Wisconsin synod listeners about what you do. If there's anything, um, I'm guessing a lot of what you do goes through pastors and schools, right? It's trying to get pastors and schools to say, here, can you help with names, whatever, um, so kids getting ready to go off to college uh, and uh, or parents who are getting ready for their kids to go. Um, might you go ahead, Dan, and tell us a little bit about what you do, what you wish they all would know, um, ways that uh, you or they can be helpful to each other, anything like that? Yeah, one of, one of the, again, it's usually a three, three-pronged fork of what, try to describe what I do. One of the areas is we just try to make sure that uh, young adults, again, if they don't go to places as wonderful as this place is, to Wisconsin Lutheran College or Martin Luther College or Bethany Lutheran College, we, we try to make sure that there's at least uh, a contact person, whether it's a, a pastor or a, a lay member, staff minister, somebody at a congregation near a major university or some of the smaller ones, uh, and make sure that they're, they have somebody they can talk to if they're looking to reach out to somebody, someone who will serve them and, and bring them God's Word, whether through Bible studies or involve them in their congregational activities or just have activities for them as, as this demographic of college students together. So we try to keep these young adults connected to their Lord and Savior by having people that are ready, ready to receive them. Uh, another area that, that I try to help congregations with is there might not be any type of ministry going on to this demographic, and so we look to start some new places. And so a couple of locations that we've looked to start new campus ministries have included uh, up at Moorhead College up in uh, Moorhead, Minnesota. That's one of those. We're doing some work down near Flower Mound. Uh, a couple of other areas, Sault Ste. Marie up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. We've got places all over, so we try to start some new places 
cases too. Uh, and then the last thing that they try to entrust me with is working with international students. So whether they come through some of our, our high schools that we have or we come into contact with them with our campus ministries that we want to make sure that we stay connected to them wherever their next stage of life may be. Um, anything as far as um, for students that are getting ready to head off somewhere then, or probably more likely for parents, but even a, a lot of people in our ministerium listening, um, that, that would really be helpful to campus ministry and, and to the students um, as they look at ways that they could uh, help uh, make these connections, support the connections that are being made, um, make sure, I know just in talking to you, you know, that people are on the radar for each other, stuff like that. Yeah, one of the biggest things is through a website we're able to, it's the Wells website, we're able to connect them if they're willing to sign up or give their information because again it's the getting ready of leaving the high school age and then they're going on to college that we want to make sure there's somebody who knows they're coming and we, we try to have those names and if they submit that information or if they're willing to call or email uh, the local pastor in that area to let them know that they're going to be attending a university nearby we've got people waiting and, and wanting, ready and waiting to try to connect with them so they can kind of get to know the area around, know how to get to church, know who they can call, all of those sorts of things. And so one of the ways they can help prepare for that is just let let us know where they're going. And that's to go to the center website being wells.net? Yeah, wells.net. And then is there a certain place on yep, there they should it's go? under resources, okay. and under resources you have campus ministry. Okay, I will try to remember to put that link in the show notes. So. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I'll maybe, can I just add one thing? Uh, my parents are involved in a congregation that uh, has campus ministry as part of their responsibility. And, uh, you know, so it's one of those things. It's not j just, you know, families with kids, but say, well, you know, there's opportunities to be involved there too. Like my, my mom will bring cookies over to the, you know, campus ministry or something like that. You know, there are dif different ways. So, I mean, it's Not one with if, haircuts. I don't think any haircuts, but oh. uh, but maybe maybe that's an opportunity too. Who knows? But but yeah, you know, I mean, there there are ways I think for individual members to engage there too. You know, so just keep your ears open, probably, huh? I I only joke because Jason and I sometimes he gets a nice fade, and his wife cuts his haircut, and so I I asked who cut yeah. your hair before your wife, and you said your mom. Well, she was the first one. My brother did for a while too, okay. but yeah. Have you always had the same basic haircut? Like if since, they all just had to master the one since well since high school the since Jason the Fabe. end of high school yeah so so I not changed a lot so I wish we should get pictures from each age do you have like like fresh like after you got faded yeah probably um, of each and we could compare <laughs> mom brother and wife oh yeah that, well, that'd be or you know it'd be, be better Michael we print them off but we don't know whose is whose <laughs> and we play mom brother or wife. And we have to guess <laughs> who faded Jason. Huh. Uh, yeah, I'd be curious. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. I like that one. Uh, Nate, maybe we'll throw it at you just real quick. Um, you're now new in campus ministry and in a very probably different way than um, what Dan was talking about at other institutions. Uh, what do you see as maybe probably common crossover here, uh, just campus ministry in general, wherever you're at, that you're picking up on this is just probably uh, things that um, it's – it's good for kids to have ministry in their life at this time because whatever. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of crossover because, you know, finally what makes Wisconsin Lutheran College unique is that we've got, you know, ministry baked into a lot of the stuff that we do here. But that's a four-year thing, right, that, that ends, and you don't want somebody's Christian walk to end or their connection to Jesus to end at graduation. And so that connection with local churches, that connection with spiritual mentors, that connection with, you know, um, their faith life at home, if, if that's part of their, their background with mom and dad, that is, is just as essential. It's just a different way of getting at it, you know, here. Um, we're, we're connecting by, by visiting different churches in the Milwaukee area, by um, putting, putting uh, resources in students' hands and by kind of trying to help equip them um, day in and day out to be ready to handle life after graduation. But um, but it's a lot of the same stuff. Finally, it's like we're all still center saints. You know, mm -hmm. Christians who come to college are dealing with all the same things. They have different challenges based on where they're at. But, uh, um, you know, in some ways it just comes back to is, are you being formed into the form of Jesus? There you go. We got a nice Ooh. tattoo bond here for And maybe with, <laughs> with both of you with that, 
um, and then we'll make our way to the, to the main topic. Um, I'm guessing, Dan, a fair amount of what you're doing, too, and I'm not guessing because we've talked somewhat before, um, but is connecting people doing this sort of thing, whether it be at a WLC, a, a BLC, MLC, or at, you know, Bowling Green University or pick a random university. I want Minnesota Mac. State Mankato. What conference is that? Ooh. That's D1 in hockey. It's right? D1 in hockey, but D2 for most other That ones. seems like something you should know. What they yeah. um, <clears throat> He's thinking. They are in, uh, is it the WCHA now for hockey, or is it the, I think it's WCHA for hockey. I think they hockey. are, yes. Yeah. And now pick a random university. Um, Transylvania University. Is that a real Pennsylvania. one? Pennsylvania. Okay. Oh. So connecting people, whether it be a parish pastor serving that kind of to get talking, you know, what can we be doing? What are the opportunities? I'm guessing that's a fair amount as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone um, finds themselves serving a parish or maybe they're in leadership at a, at a university um, or college, uh, Dan is a great guy to reach out to for that too, to maybe help put you in touch with people or resources. And, um, and, and we have a committee, we have a committee of nine guys that, that just, this is what we do under our board for home missions. How so. many of those guys are helpful? Oh, all of them. Oh, it's all of them. And then we, then we got our, we like got our campus pastors too. On top of that, and staff ministers—they're great. And then yeah. Like, yeah, so so Dan would be an excellent person to reach out to. To that, I'm sure our campus pastors here are always happy to to be helpful. Also, so um, once again, if you you know of someone who's going off to college, if you're going off to college, Wells.net. Go to resources. Go to campus ministry. Um, get people in touch with people. Uh, I would even suspect Daniel if there's someone who's not Wells. Mm-hmm. But they're going to a university, and they, they say, we appreciate Let the Bird Fly, and we would like to learn more about Lutheranism, or just yeah. like, we want Jesus. Yeah. Um, that, that, that Wells Campus Ministry would even help put them in touch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we sure someone. would. That, yeah. it, that sounds like that would be a great, a great way for someone to reach out to. <clears throat> so with that, Jason, Mike, anything you want to add? I'm getting a little echoey, so I'm going to work on this in production. I'm doing something wrong. but I'm good. Ontologically, or just in the Midwestern way of saying, I'm gonna okay. say all of the above. Okay, well, we will make our way to the main topic. And that brings us to our main topic, which is Bonhoeffer's Ethics, Chapter 2. Although the, the chapters aren't numbered, and I, I don't know, that, um, this is put together by his friend, um, was it Eberhard Betcher? Um I think Eberhard, um, because Bonhoeffer's writing this uh, as he's awaiting his death, which, which comes um, just before the Allies liberate the camp where he was. Um, and so this is, this is arranged uh, somewhat later. Um, but what is in the um, in the book, as it is known now as the second chapter, um, we are using the reader's edition from Fortress Press. Um, and the chapter is Ethics as Formation. And Bonhoeffer, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, just briefly get <clears throat> German theologian, um, from a somewhat well-to-do family, um, decides to become a pastor, which kind of surprises his family a, a bit. Um, comes to America for a while, is very um, kind of both impressed and shocked by the American church. Um, he's in an African-American church while he's here. Um, and uh, he has things both that he's drawn to, and then he also kind of goes like American theology in general is kind of shallow, which is probably true of much of American evangelical theology. <clears throat> um, he's not talking specifically about the, the black church there, but just he's at Union, so American Christianity as a whole. Um, but uh, he makes his way back to Germany, and he has opportunities to leave, but he decides he needs to um, be church with the church in Germany during this time of fascism. Um, he's an opponent of fascism. He's going to work with Hermann Sasse, one of, I think we all three, when we did the book draft, said one of our favorite <clears throat> um, theologians, um, first published in English, so far as I know, in the Wisconsin Lutheran Quarterly. Um, we published his pet letters to pastors. 
And they work on, I always mess up these two. They did Bethel Declaration. Is that Sasa and Bonhoeffer? Mm-hmm. And then Bart kind of steps in in the Confessing Church, and they do Barman, right? Mm-hmm. So I got that right? Maybe. Um, and so um, he is part of the Confessing Church. We've mentioned the Confessing Church starts not so much just because, well, they think Nazism is bad and racism is bad, but especially because the state is taking over the church. Um, you have the German Christian movement, which is going to have kind of a, a Reichskirche. I don't know that that's what they called it. I just made that up in German. Maybe it's right. Um, and it's going to be, um, as you could guess, when anything's called like the German Christian movement, it's going to be more German than Christian. And so the Confessing Church um, is going to speak against that. Bonhoeffer will teach at an underground seminary for a while at Finkenwalde. Um, and he writes Life Together, a nice little book based on that. Um, I've gotten a few sermons out of that book. <clears throat> Great book to steal sermons from if you're having a bind. <clears throat> um, he then, uh, his family was active in the Abwehr, which was like a spy service type branch of the Nazi government. And um, he participates in a plot to kill Hitler. And here people fall on different sides. And, you know, was it, is it a sin to try to kill Hitler or not? Bonhoeffer says kind of you get to a point sometimes where everything's a sin and you have to sin less. And so he said, you know, sometimes you have to throw a spoke into the wheel um, of evil. That plot is unsuccessful, um, as were all the plots to assassinate Hitler. He is eventually put in prison and then he's eventually put in a concentration camp um, where he's eventually hanged not long before um, the camp is liberated. While he's doing that, he's written Life Together. He writes um, earlier, The Cost of Discipleship, one of his earliest works. Um, His letters from prison are very interesting. Um, But his ethics is probably his his most difficult, but I think sometimes most worthwhile work. There's lots of parts where I have to read two, three times, but then I go, "Ah, that's a good insight. Um, There's parts, if if just our regular reader is picking this up, uh, there are parts where, yeah, I do... Even myself go, I don't quite know I know what he's saying, and I don't know that I agree with it. Um, But I think there are other things where you go, that's just a gem, right? And that's an insight that only someone under the cross would have. Um, And that's, I think, part of the attraction of of this work. It's also attractive to me because I teach ethics at a Lutheran college. And American Lutherans have a a great suspicion of... um, uh, both, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Michael, both historically of both ethics and apologetics. Um, in the Protestant world, for sure. Yeah. But I would say synodical conference Lutheranism. Yeah, yep. um, ethics in that, well, isn't that, isn't that Catholic, um, you know, that we're, we're really worried about um, good works, uh, and then apologetics because, well, we should just do evangelism, and, share and the gospel. Ph- and philosophy, so both... Uh, Roman Catholic uh, apologetics and ethics are going to be deeply philosophical, and they, quite frankly, do it better than we do. As well as, and, and Reformed apologetics as yeah. well, yeah. And so um, it's helpful as a work to have one where you can go, here's an ethics book by a legit Lutheran, um, and uh, and you get insights that are very gospel-centered um, often. And so he's going to talk about ethics as formation, and, and Michael and, and Jason might be able to guess what also makes this attractive to me. As I spent the summer on a formation kick, I was just reading all sorts of stuff on formation. And I think um, being at a Lutheran college and just the Christian life in general, we sometimes maybe un- underestimate um, the degree to which it is formative. You know, it, yes, God works with the means of grace, preaching and teaching, word and sacrament. But those do shape us. They form us, and we experience them in context with and, people. And that you are always being formed. It's a difference between being formed in a Christological way or to be malformed, right? right? Malformation. And uh, to go back to like the campus ministry um, discussion, uh, there are many things that malform people. Uh, young people, and there are things that form them, right? And we don't like either of those because we fancy ourselves uh, free will individuals, um, that uh, we make our own decisions and we are not formed by outside sources. Um, But that's not true on a 
philosophical, scientific, biological, and theological level. Like everybody knows that you are formed by outside outside sources, uh, which is again the curved inward, curved out, outward kind of thing from from uh, Augustine. That first of all, I look outside of myself for Christ. It's for my salvation. It's extra nos, but we tend to think everything's on the inside when reality everything's on the outside and being we're being acted upon in a lot of ways. I'll stop there because now I'm getting into philosophical. No, but that, and that's something um, Bonhoeffer's writings um, are going to be all about community again and again. And I think that's something that he's become aware of and especially it makes sense with fascism as you see um, people being shaped <clears throat> literally um, you know, it's it's always a great irony to me that much of modern propaganda and how we do things, and I would say even how some worship is structured, um, was influenced uh, by things that not, the Nazis really pioneered or tried to perfect. Um, you know, um, a Nazi rally was um, a uh, emotional thing. As much as people are like, oh, Germans are unemotional. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you've ever watched a Nazi rally, like in a documentary. <laughs> How bland. Um, but um, the the words that shape things, the emotions that shape things, the pageantry. I mean, this was like a return to kind of medieval colorful pageantry. Um, and so I think, you know, it makes sense to him, too, that he, can, he sees formation can go all different ways. And formation can also be um, very individual in a weird communal way, which we see in our day, too, of where I'm formed to be me and me, this me, <clears throat> um, and he gets at this in a later chapter, becomes this like self-creating, self-renewing thing. But why am I doing that? I'm only doing that because I've been formed to be and do that. And I'm not doing it just because I'll be happy in and of myself then. This is like middle school. You didn't get really into like a brand or a look or a music <laughs> just for yourself, even though you were being you it then again turns outward, right, for approval or affirmation. Um, and so I think that that is a, a big thing in here. Um, I'll throw it to any of you three now because I don't want to just spend my whole time talking on this. Um, I'm curious to see what you guys think. That was part of the I, yep. Let me do one comment, then I'll be done for, for a while. Um, it strikes me that uh, preaching in the American context, or at least with the preaching that I grew up, was a very individual ethics thing. So the word that you did not use, but the word that a preacher would have used in my youth is selfish. You're being selfish or not being selfish or pride or whatever. Uh, outside of the context of the question of free will bound choice, the question of formation or malformation, uh, my position in a community, that my sanctification and my, my virtue, as we say, is not for... Uh, the sake of virtue itself, but for neighbor, right? So, and that that hurts our ministry because I don't look at, I shouldn't look at a, like a high school senior coming uh, to college and say, what a, what a selfish little fill in the blank here because he's got his phone on and he's taking pictures or whatever. Um, this is a character thing and, and he as an individual needs to fix that character flaw. While there's some truth to that, he's been malformed maybe, and needs to be formed in a different way. That's a completely different way of thinking about it. And may I suggest that it's a uh, Lutheran and I would also say Roman Catholic way of thinking about it versus more of a Protestant. Vocational. Uh, uh, and the assumption uh, the assumption that I have free will, yep. right? And, and yep. I pick up myself by the bootstraps and all that kind of stuff. Well, and just the notion that, that he somehow even can work on it by himself. Mm-hmm. Is um, and this is where my issue with virtue ethics. I'd be fine with virtue ethics if we said virtue ethics are done to us, like vocationally through our neighbor. Um, but the notion that I somehow myself am just gonna, um, like I'm an artificial intelligence that's just gonna keep like <laughs> learning more how to do things and then like become more human. You know, um, that person, that 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 um, individual who maybe has things to work on is only gonna do that in community. I can't be patient by myself. I can only be patient when someone else tries me. <laughs> I can't be humble by myself. That's false humility. I can only be um, humble in relationship. And so maybe with that, anything Mike and I hit on, but I'll also just throw out with the, 
the chapter in general to you guys, what did you think? What, if anything, stood out, um, good or bad, or any impressions with Bonhoeffer? And maybe, if it's all right with you, Jason, we'll throw it to our guest first. Yep, Daniel has do. had to leave, so he is no longer here. Yep. Um, you didn't see like a... It, it, it was almost as if, he dare I say, he disappeared. <laughs> yeah. I mean... He is... We'll explain later. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no idea. Inside joke. Yeah. <laughs> a long the, the, like the four decade. like classmates who listen to us. A long, a long multi-decade yeah. inside joke. All That's I will say, kind of if when jokes. we're walking to class, Jason, yeah. um, if we see a cat. Yeah. Oh, man. This will be big. Yep. It will or a frog. Or a cat or a frog. The jokes are compounding. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Good. Just uh, checking. All right. To our classmates, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, but anything that stood out as you, or maybe what stood out was why did Wade have us read this? No, 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 no. Uh, just connecting to, to where Mike was at with malformation and how, how entirely outside of our control, most of our, of our personal control, most of our formation is, I just see it play out practically. Like, so I'm, most of the time I'm working with, um, younger students. Um, before I got to WLC, I was working with students between the ages of three and 13 now between 18 and 22. But there is like a, a, a false narrative that runs through culture that I think gets absorbed by a lot of Christian young people. Um, I, I, by my nature, will develop into the perfect thing, right? If I can just set myself free from all these outside influences mm-hmm. that will corrupt me, I by myself, will be, it's just totally not true. So sometimes right. a student, this is practically where it comes in. And I was thinking of this a lot as I read through um, the chapter. Um, a lot of times what happens is a student will sit across the desk from me and they'll be talking about this happens, this happens, this happens, I'm struggling with this. This is what's on my mind a lot. And they're thinking that it's some horrible thing that they've got to solve. And I'll say like, hold on, if I... Went, if I opened your YouTube account and clicked on recently viewed and looked at the last 50 videos, would I see the same themes? And, and sometimes we'll, we'll do that. And the, the, the point is, this is happening to you, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you have this terrible uh, you know, sense of, of, oh, I'm not the way I should be or I'm different in this way, um, that I don't know what right and wrong are. Well, w- what are you putting in? What are your inputs? And so often if it's devoid from formation, um, the way that this was talked about, right? So that, that, that the, the right way or a good way to be human, a good way to make good decisions is to be a real human. That is, you are connected to the reality that, you understand justice and punishment and, and, and forgiveness at the cross, and then that you live in this in-between between here and eternity. If that's totally separate from the way that you are being formed, it's not surprising to me that you're sitting across from a pastor asking what's going on in my life. Yeah. And so this just comes practically into my life in so many ways. I did think, why did Wade make me read this when I didn't know half the words? But after <laughs> I got over that and opened up my dictionary on my phone, then I was like, okay, I'm tracking. This guy is onto something. Yeah, this yeah. Bonhoeffer is. And he does that yes. sometimes where, where you would – and it's not the translator's fault. He's just a very bright guy, and there's an assumption sometimes there. Um, just briefly before, Jason, I throw it to you, I like this idea, and you and Mike both hit on this. And I think about this often because – so if you think of the biblical world, the New Testament world, and you think of late antiquity. And um, Peter Brown, one of my favorite late antique authors, um, he writes about late antiquity, that is. Um, but David Brock, he's done similar stuff. And you look at, like, um, the talk of demons. So in the New Testament, demon possession, Mark's gospel is an extremely prominent thing. <clears throat> um, in late antiquity, um, you have the holy man in late antiquity. is one of the best journal articles ever written. If you want to know how to write a journal article, Peter Brown has, this is like a paradigm of a journal article, and then his, one of the best biographies ever written. Is Brown's Augustine biography. So if you're ever struggling with how to write a journal or, or <coughs> biography, read those. Um, but he talks about the holy man in late antiquity, and Bracti talks about uh, demon possession. <coughs> and so I'm not saying this in the sense of like demons weren't real, and this is just the antique world <coughs> trying to explain things. Um, but there's a similarity to um, Homer and what God seized you. It's Agamemnon, right? Not Achilles that was supposedly seized, what God has seized you. <coughs> and the idea of like, some god has come down into his thalamus <clears throat> and moved him to like fight with Achilles over a woman that's going to start this <clears throat> this big war. And maybe part of the challenge, and, and Bonhoeffer's writing in a very like, ironically, a 20th century that started very hopeful, and I, I know Mike, you do a lot with this, um, with modernity of like this optimism of, 
well, now we're just going to science. And then, like, the world wars are like, okay, we're sciencing. And then we're like, oh, man, maybe we shouldn't have science. And then the postmodernists are like, okay, maybe we should step back. But um, you have this optimism that's been broken, and you have the first world war, and now we're going to have the second world war. Um, but we've ruled out the outside of us to a great extent, like the metaphysical, um, the demonic, right? Um so that now someone can say, like, oh, Hitler was demonic. But they seldom mean, like, there were demons, like, involved. Um, and I think even as you're talking with the YouTube in the Christian life, um, not to say, oh, demons are just an exp expression for, like, a, um, you know, a, a medical phenomenon. Although sometimes those two can go hand in hand, right? Mm. You could have an epileptic who had a demon. Um, and not to say, like, everything's demons, but to recognize that there's a big chunk of the Bible that talks about the external that isn't even just fellow human beings. Um, in fact, bondage of the will hinges on God and the devil at work on me. Um, the world is enchanted even if you've tried to convince yourself that pure reason uh, can't explain everything. Yeah, and and so even what do we do? We tend to do uh, today when reason can't explain it. We still think it must be internal. I, and and there and it is sometimes you do go to a doctor or whatever, but that yeah I don't know if I'm saying it well but there is a good measure of, there's a reason you pray the Psalms, and it's not yeah. just because of the 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 material. Yeah. I was gonna say I, I find it interesting that Mike chose today of all days to talk about the enchanted world, but um, but this idea that there's something more than just what you see and something more than just what you What's uh, today? well given the guess that we've had in oh. our studio but <laughs> another um, inside joke another okay. inside joke but anyway um yeah I, I, I but i think too that that is something that's becoming more and more apparent that you know this idea that yeah the world is there's this other other component of the world that just you can't deal with apart from and to some go of those back to questions. something we hit on last yeah. time the only place we still allow that to some degree is with love we say we mm -hmm. fall in love and once we fall in love, well, Cupid shoots his arrows and these things outside of us kind of seize us <clears throat> and we lose control. But we've somehow forfeited that this can happen in a manifold other ways too. But I think, in, you know, the other way that maybe we haven't like fully, I mean, we culturally haven't fully embraced this metaphysical thing is maybe in, in the area of ethics. Like you talk to somebody on the street who, you know, could care less about a biblical, either, but they have a sense of justice. They have a mm -hmm. sense of there is something that's more right than another thing, right? Like there's yeah. a, there's something there that goes beyond just simple biological needs that tells me what's good and what's bad, yeah. you know? Or that at least I hope is there. I yeah. hope is there, but I feel And it. I get very like I mad when it's not. Yeah, yeah, I get mad if it's violated. Yeah. yeah, I think you have to push people down that road. I mean, we're in the anthropological argument for the existence of God here, but start to say, if, if the world is not enchanted, there's no soul, there's no spirit, there's no God, there's no angels, there's no demons. Uh, to be honest, you have to uh, forfeit quite a few things. The word love, courage, right, wrong, evil. You get down to that, and it, there's not much left. Mm -hmm. And, right. and and then to say to that person, you don't live your life this way. Yeah. You live your life this way as if the world was enchanted. Yeah. yeah. And so in, I think he hits on this, someone in the chapter, when he talks about, and I, I'd given you guys the discussion sheet I use in class, but um, when he talks about that, he says, today we have villains and saints again in full public view. And he's getting at like this optimism that had come before or even <clears throat> this sense of order in the world. And here we hit on again last time, Jason, on this kind of mm -hmm. order versus disorder and how philosophy, once it became unhinged from both reason and revelation, <clears throat> essentially is unable to address the whole person, um, <clears throat> which means we're less than whole, which is to be disordered. And then we see this made more, more and more manifest in the, in the world. Um, so you have an age that Bonhoeffer is living through of villains and, <clears throat> and saints and very clear villains and saints, and it doesn't seem like uh, the cowboys with the white hats are winning, <clears throat> and the justice is off the rails. And then he's going to review all the ethical approaches people have tried to take to meet this. And he writes a reasonableness. He says, well, that didn't work, that we just solve everything with reason. Turns out uh, not everybody's reasonable. Fanaticism, which he doesn't mean in a bad way there, but like 
someone like is really um what would we call that today like someone's passionate about fit an issue like um literacy or something or like like you have a cause like um but anyways oh, oh, um advocacy advocacy yeah you know i'm an advocate for something um well that tends to like fall into distraction or get bogged down um conscience well how does how does my conscience weather times like this if my main goal is just to leave my conscience inviolate, I have to be divorced from my neighbor and the times. Um, well, and with the conscience too, the idea that sometimes conscience can be formed yep. in a, and it said sometimes that's even more powerful than, yep. you know, that. so yeah, I mean, they're, yep. Yep, a sense of duty or responsibility. Well, some of the people doing terrible things that they were just following orders, they were doing their duty. And all of these things now that are unable to address the whole man, and we could put philosophers' names, to all of these things, right? None of these can address the whole man. And so Bonhoeffer, again for him, it's going to come back to Christ. And that's what I love about these chapters. And, and Nate already hit on, Bonhoeffer's big on Christ as reality. There's no reality apart from Christ. Once Christ became man, there's no world that Christ didn't come to and die for. Um, and once Christ became man, I can't be truly human um, unless I'm one that Christ created and and died for it. that I might not recognize it, but my humanity is rooted in the human, um, in Jesus Christ. And I saw you got excited. Yeah, yes. like and, and Bonhoeffer makes a big point, right? Not Jesus became man as I think of it nostalgically. Yeah. Not not Christ became man and no crying he makes in the in the in the manger, right? <laughs> but Christ became a real man real human being with all the real issues. The YouTube kind. Yeah, yeah. the. <laughs> <laughs> That Christ became uh, a man who understands just how deeply, understands better than anyone else, just how deeply flawed his neighbors were, his parents were, his people, you know. So um, sometimes I think we can trick ourselves into thinking, but Christ became man, sort of, right? Like he became man, but it must have been a whole lot easier because he had it easy, as opposed to thinking, no, 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 it was uh, all of the reality, all of the tragedy of the world that he yep. came to and it so uh he mentions there jesus christ is not the transfiguration of noble humanity he didn't come and like these guys are the best like i gotta be one of these um but the yes of god to real human beings the people that he sees around him in prison the people um that he sees around him who probably some he goes what happened to them um how were they radicalized or <clears throat> or whatever um, but real, actual human beings, uh, the kind Mike, what's the Johnny Cash line you always use? Uh, he came down and... In the mud and the blood and the beer. <laughs> the mud and the blood and the beer. Um, and so uh, Bonhoeffer's going to say that if we want to be formed, we need to be a human being judged by God. And I enjoy this part, maybe too much, but... Um, <laughs> the big thing we fear he gets at is being judged by God. But it turns out being a human being judged by God is not so bad. What did you guys think about that section? I think you buy it, not buy it. I think he left something unsaid, right? Or, or maybe yeah. I, w- I missed it. I don't know. But judged by God, let's get the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus front and center mm-hmm. and understand what that judgment looks like. Sure. I think sure. he was. I think he was. I think he's there. appealing to it. Yeah, he was appealing to it. I just didn't. I was maybe I was too tired. I don't know. Well, but, and I, yeah. I think he's doing a very 20th century German theological thing to where there is this um and he he later he comes back to it in almost as maybe like a self-awareness um in history and decay and he says uh the catholics have been really good on the incarnation the person lutherans have been about preaching the cross and i mean you think you get like in historical critical movements in germany and you get boltman and others where it becomes this existential thing because maybe the bible's not but and you know you can almost tell like bonhoeffer's like with himself like being a little self-critical but yeah, if we read it through the um, the substitutionary atonement, he says to be judged of, of by God is to be an object of mercy. And, and I think yeah. I think with that, I think he to me it seemed like he was wanting so far to get into the incarnation part of things mm-hmm. that that you know that kind of and that's got, where he's going to go in history yeah. and decay of like you can't get around the, there's no history without Jesus. Um, but well, you can tell, like, he's wrestled with this, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and that's where, you know, I mean, much of the going forward from that um, talk about judgment, you know, I mean, that it is that whole incarnational thing that just shapes his discussion going forward. And 
you know, I think that to me, it was one where said, well, clearly he, you know, he wants to focus on that and, and think of that uh, and allow that, allow some of the implications of that to drive this discussion. I, and, and, and again, I think you're right in saying that you'd like to see that a bit more clearly stated, you know, the, the um, vicarious atonement type of, type he of language, but the result of the gospel yeah. mercy, yeah. but he doesn't necessarily, maybe he takes for granted or he knows he's going there. Explicate. Yeah. The, yep. the, the, the atonement itself, which makes that possible. I think yeah. Let it. me argue against myself here now, because I said I'd like to see that more front and center. But <clears throat> if I get a Christian student, who's just getting practical, a Christian student comes into my office, they're bothered by something, they want to figure it out. If I just open and say, Jesus died on the cross for you, they tune out. Right, sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's like, I already know that. That's not addressing my issue. Or even if they're not a Christian student, they're yeah. going to be like super confused. You're yep. saying that thing that you always say. I've heard it in the pulpit or whatever, or I've heard Christians believe that or whatever, but um, maybe it's a communicative strategy, right? Yeah. That, that Bonhoeffer can say, Bonhoeffer can say, what I'm going to do here is present to you what a judgment. You, you have this sense that you ought to be judged. Let's talk about it. Let's yeah. say like you need to be judged and you're right when you feel that. What does that look like? And he jumps to mercy because he doesn't want to put, he doesn't want to put this, uh, he wants to kind of sneak past your defense that might go up and say, ah, you're just doing the Jesus thing. You're just doing the Christian thing. He's saying, well, I'm doing the, the, the reality thing. Right. Reality means not just Jesus' easy answer, but you deserve judgment. Let's talk about what that judgment looks like under God. And he will, um, he, he'll get at it in, in, in the upcoming too about how Western godlessness is like totally Christian godlessness. Mm. Because what like the godless in the West are mad at is specifically Christian, right? Um, and so what is it, <clears throat> in large measure, a rejection of, but judgment, <clears throat> right? Um, and so it's 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 um, self-justifying or it wants to vindicate itself. And uh, and so he's saying, well, the, the best thing to be is judged. Um, and so we're going to get to what an eth- a, a, to be formed by an ethic of mercy means. And so I'm going to give two more quotes, and then we'll jump back to that, and I'll throw it to you guys. <clears throat> Um, I have point nine on the sheet I gave you guys. He says, God did not become, and this is kind of a let the bird fly theme, right? I, did he steal this from us, Michael? I, I don't know. I know we're I, big in Albania. I, think, I don't I know, know my German. The, the date's right, though, if if uh, we became we were before him or not. Yeah. It's good if that's the case. Yeah. yeah. Real like good. The spirit of the let the bird fly was always around, like, yeah, like the be. Antichrist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he writes, God did not become an idea. Um, and think, right, this abstraction that you have, Hegel, and other, or, or a, a, a principle. He didn't become, and maybe he had the American church in mind here, a program <clears throat> or a universally valid belief, like a law of nature or something, um, or a law. God became human. And so he says, the human being in every part of history is simply the human being whom Christ took on. And so this is what's especially interesting to me, and I'll have to go in a bit here, but if we're talking about ethics of formation, and I think part of what Bonhoeffer is arguing for here is an ethic of mercy, and even if that's not his primary thing, I think that's of a primary interest to me. We're ministering with the gospel here at college, in classrooms, and in chapel, and one-on-one with students. Um... Well, we didn't, we, we've talked about an ethic of freedom, and I think that's important if we understand what Christian freedom is. Um, what does an ethic of mercy mean? Or or am I just making up stuff that well, has no... Well, I don't know if, if this is exactly what Bonhoeffer would have been, been after, but <clears throat> I, I think it's going back to the free will thing, so... You think about our current. Well, what's the high? What is the what is the summum bonum of America, uh, which is largely a, a Protestant country? Like I mean, being influenced. able to buy your spouse a Buick on Christmas. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> there's the, though that's not unrelated, right? right yep. It is. Um, it is your work ethic. If you want right. to put one thing, it's your work ethic, and uh, that then creates jobs it creates good things right and and then the capitalist and it is in a sense self-creative yeah which i warn about later yeah and it's uh then comes the uh the criticism of capitalism that you have become just consumers and all that stuff 
uh, which is ironic because there's a lot of American churches who uh, pastors who get up in the pulpit and uh, all through uh, December <laughs> uh, ignore the incarnation and talk about commercialism, um, and then uh, on Twitter <coughs> um, are uh, reject any kind of even subtle criticism of said capitalism and consumerism. Um, but there's a disconnect there. But anyway, um, that's. That so, happy so when I look at a, <laughs> when I look at a, I look at a person. Carl likes. Yeah, Carl likes. Carl shaking. <laughs> when I, when, well, we'll say this again before we get nasty emails. <laughs> Much of uh, Mar what Marxism, neo-Marxism, uh, if you want a, an umbrella of postmodernism and um, critical theory in the Frankfurt School or whatever. Um, if you're honest, they, they, um, if you honestly take a look at them. A, you'll realize that their diagnosis skills are pretty They're good. They're not Di diagnosticians. Yeah. Uh, diagnostics is pretty good. Um, and uh, usually the criticisms against them, um, they not only know about, but are, if you actually read, are in the text themselves. Mm -hmm. Their problem is is that they will not look to the eternal logos for any kind of grounding. That, that's right. the problem. The person that does your ultrasound <clears throat> doesn't do your surgery. And that's good to yeah, keep in mind with my good. boy Carl. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and uh, or maybe they do, but I wouldn't advise it. Right, and so that's a whole. There's there's a couple extra levels of school there between the. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, um, I don't want to get down this. I didn't mean to get, go down this you road. Did, but um, don't use the word Marxism when you are criticizing A, B, or C in our culture right now. I can almost guarantee you that you are wrong in your uh, use of that word. Um, it's it's a dog whistle sometimes. It's a throw. It's a lazy word. Whatever. Anyway. Okay. Anyways, capitalism. Uh, okay. So uh, yeah. So no. But when I look at uh, a person who is struggling or is in a sin or I don't like or whatever, the assumption is a they have a, the ability to um, overcome their sin and reform themselves, right? Which you were talking about before. I don't then look at them as somebody who, my 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 first inclination often is angry at them for their sin and how they have ruined my country, my society, instead of sadness because they have been malformed. And I think that's maybe the basis of a mercy, Christologically grounded ethic and an ethic that assumes a free will and is grounded in whether it be whether it be a social justice on the left side or whether it, saying that the community can be reformed uh, by our own will and, and doing, or the Protestant side, a more conservative side, which would be the uh, individual can overcome their own, uh, his or her own problems and reform themselves. Both yeah. are, are male flow responses. And, yeah. Yeah. and it's almost like an ethical mercy would go back to when Jesus tells the parable of the unmerciful servant who the whole point of him receiving mercy was that he would also now show mercy. And when he does not, you have this reaction of like, that's woefully um, incongruent. Can I say one thing? Yes. Uh, because I, I'm in anticipating a response to this, not that we would get one, but um, obviously there are, there are we, we teach at college kids, and some for me, high school kids, we understand... Uh, what um, the, that they're morons. We understand this, <laughs> and uh, that you have classical to, and you have to say because we are and were yes because and we understand <laughs> that and we have to say take out a pencil and write this down. It's college now, <laughs> and so we're not dismissing personal accountability. All we're saying is it's both. Right, it's. I thought you were going to say something be, all gentle. When you're no, no. <laughs> right? It can be. I can. I can both say you are responsible for your actions. Quit being a lazy person. Person, <laughs> but I can also look at that person with great mercy and say, I understand, regardless of their background or whatever, that they are sinner saints. Yes. Right, and that's 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 I, the key to everything is the center saint. Right? But and, and thus, community is receiving and showing mercy. Sorry, Nate. I um, think we're gonna have to wrap up, so we'll go around last points and give us your best point now, Nate. Okay. Yeah. No, I think it's directly tied to what Mike was just saying. Like, the parable of the 
unmerciful servant is key because the ethic of mercy for society, like if I'm going to come to the world with that, the only way to start mm-hmm. is an ethic of mercy for me. Right, like that's where it has to start. This, this, I'm pointing at myself. This servant has 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 had his debt forgiven. It's like Carl Stout with the body of Christ. That's not what I'm here for. Okay, I have had my debt forgiven. Yeah, that is the ethic of mercy that came to me um, by the one real human who understands me in Jesus, yep. who paid my punishment, Jesus, who has been judged, and I have been judged in Him. And now he has given me hope to, 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 to live in this dead world with a living hope. Now I can approach my society with an ethic of mercy. Yeah. But it can't come independent of Jesus, which is why I love that Bonhoeffer just fixed the whole thing around the incarnation yeah. of Jesus. And then the church says, hey, we're the people judged by mercy. Come be judged by mercy with us. Yeah, and, and then that... that allows you to be flexible. You're yeah. not dedicated to this one set of rules or this one principle for every, but you, you are ready to handle a world around you and the yeah. sinners who walk through your church doors, you're ready to handle them with mercy yeah. or the sinners who walk in your Christmas dinner doors. Cause that can be awkward too. Yeah. And it, to go back to another parable, just when Jesus talks about the parable of the talents, right. And the people bury their talents. And then you get these like terrible American Protestant sermons about see that you should use your time, talents, treasures, forget <clears throat> What's the whole point of that parable? Why did the why did he bury his treasure? I knew that you are a harsh master. He thought he would be judged not by mercy. And that's what gets him in trouble is who told you I'm a I'm a harsh master. In fact, I've sent all kinds of prophets to make clear I'm a I'm a I'm a master of, of mercy. Um all right, ethic of mercy, Jason, any thoughts? Or um, Bonhoeffer in general. I'm gonna go Bonhoeffer in general. First of all, uh to Nate's comment earlier about all the words, I thought um, this is one that I really appreciated that I had never heard before, and now I know what it means. Cicatrized, cicatrized. I don't what does know it what mean? Healed, healed by scarring over. Nice. That's what. Yeah. So, um, but I would say the the takeaway. I mean, I I appreciate this is the first time I've had to, a chance to read a longer chunk of Bonhoeffer, and I was glad of that. Um, I've only been kind of acquainted by quotes and paragraph type of things. Um, But that whole idea of formation and saying, you know, when scripture talks about um, form, it always talks about, it always talks about that in one specific way, which is the form of Christ. Right. And then the whole idea of then formation is being drawn into the form of Christ and everything that that means. And I think, you know, that begins with the who I am sort of thing. It begins and then flows from there in the what does that mean to be judged by God in Christ um, crucified with Christ in Christ and then living you know that um, in in living as an imitator of Christ uh, and showing that mercy uh, to others while always anticipating that you know the crown is what waits after the cross Uh, you know what that sounds like doing what? Letting the bird fly. Uh, every evening when the sun goes down, get my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a jank. I set him up, another round. I set him up, another round. I set him up, another round. One more round won't get me down.